Oh God, your people call out for understanding as your word is read and proclaimed. Bring to our yearning hearts and minds the truth of your word. In Christ's name, amen. Our first reading is from the book of Deuteronomy, the last book in the Torah, the 18th chapter, starting with the 15th verse. It helps to know that most of this book of Deuteronomy is, is about Moses, uh, several uh, addresses to the people of Israel, basically preparing them for when he is not going to be around. So early in this chapter, it talked about priests and certain other offices, and now we come to prophets. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, Moses says, from among your own people, and you shall heed such a prophet. This is what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, if I hear the voice of the Lord my God anymore or if ever again, see this great fire, I will die. Then the Lord replied to me, they are right in what they have said. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their own people. I will put my words in the mouth of the prophet who shall speak to them everything that I command. Anyone who does not heed the words that the prophet shall speak in my name, I myself will hold accountable. But any prophet who speaks in the name of other gods or who presumes to speak in my name a word that I have not commanded that prophet to speak, that prophet shall die. Then turning to the Gospel of Mark, the first chapter, starting at the 21st verse, they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he, that is Jesus, entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Just then, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, what have you got to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him, and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, what is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even unclean spirits and they obey him? At once, Jesus' fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Oh Lord, focus our thoughts and focus uh, my words on your message for us today. Amen. Well, the question the title asked today is, is the church a non-profit, P-R-O-P-H-E-T, a non-profit organization? Now, I worked, as you know, for the state of North Carolina for decades, but for a long, long time, 25 years or so, my office was in space that the state rented from a non-P-R-O-F-I-T, non-profit organization. 
Now, one year when that organization had done particularly well financially, I heard one of the board members praising the CEO for all the profits. Oh, no, the guy said, the CEO said, by law, we do not have profits. We have income in excess of expenses. <laughs> well, you and I know that that's a pretty good profit. Well, income in excess of expenses, that's a pretty good definition of profit, isn't it? Well, we know about what a profit is. Money made, right? But what is a, that other kind of profit? Well, you know, I had to look it up in Webster's and they give three definitions. One, one who utters divinely inspired revelations such as A, the writer of one of the prophetic books of the Bible, Amos, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, so on. Or B, one regarded by a group of followers as the final author authoritative revealer of God's will. And the second definition, they said, one who's gifted with more than ordinary spiritual and moral insight. And their third definition was one who foretells future events. You know, kind of like Greg Fisher, right? <laughs> well, my handy dictionary of theological terms says that prophecy usually refers to speaking, one, speaking in the name of God under divine mandate and inspiration. And they add that in the Old Testament, the prophets speak words of judgment, direction, consolation. And in the New Testament, they basically did what today we call preaching. Now, prophecy may involve warning about the future, but not necessarily. Some people think of prophets as angry people, proclaiming gloom and doom, the end is near, that kind of thing. But the Old Testament scholar I mentioned a lot of times, Walter Brueggemann, speaks of the hopeful nature of prophetic witness in the biblical story. He says, prophetic witness is inherently countercultural. Prophets criticize the old order and they pronounce God's judgment on it. And they energize their hearers with a vision of a new reign of God that was to come. Now, you know, we read from Deuteronomy and uh, Moses being a, a prophet. I think most of us think of Moses, he was a leader and a lawgiver, and he looked a lot like Charlton Heston, <laughs> at least in the movies. But in our reading from Deuteronomy, it's God who calls Moses a prophet, a prophet like you. In fact, you could say Moses is the best example of a prophet being a go-between between God and the people. He, because he brought God's instructions to the people, even though they didn't, they didn't want to hear it. They had said, oh, no, we, you know, it was too scary to talk directly to God. Don't do that. We'll die. So Moses was the go-between to take the message of God to the people. You remember what God told Moses? I'll raise up for them a prophet like you from among their own people. I'll put my words in his mouth for that prophet to speak everything I commanded. And there were two kind of uh, accountability things. One, the people were supposed to follow what was the prophet said, but also the prophet was supposed to deliver what God's message was and nothing more. 
Well, then uh, there's also a caution about these false prophets who presume to speak for God. Anybody that speaks in the name of other gods or presumes to speak my name, a word I haven't commanded, that prophet will die. So, how do you tell the difference between a true prophet speaking what God wants and a false prophet? Well, a couple of verses beyond what we already read in that chapter in Deuteronomy suggest one criterion. You may say to yourself, how, how do we recognize the word of the Lord has not spoken? If a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, but the thing does not take place or prove true, it is a word the Lord has not spoken. The prophet in that case has spoken presumptuously. In the 13th chapter of the prophet Ezekiel's book, that deals a lot with false prophets. They have envisioned falsehood and lying divination. They say, says the Lord, when the Lord has not sent them, and they wait for the fulfillment of their word. But also the 23rd chapter of the prophet Jeremiah's book talks about the problem of false prophets who walk in lies and who strengthen the hands of evildoers. Jeremiah conveys God's warning about false prophets who give a lying word of reassurance. Thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of prophets who prophesy to you. They are deluding you. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They keep saying to those who despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. And to all who stubbornly follow their own stubborn hearts, they say, no calamity will come to you. They were giving false reassurance, in other words, so that nobody was turning away from their wicked ways. Well, when, when we read that gospel passage from the first chapter of Mark about Jesus casting out unclean spirit, you know what surprised me about that whole story? It was no surprise at all that Jesus could cure mental illness which is what we would call that business of having an unclean spirit today. What was surprising is the unclean spirit recognized Jesus as the Holy One of God and obeyed him coming out when he said to. When the people around in the synagogue, including the disciples, they didn't really get it, did they? So how can we modern Christians tell real prophets from the pretenders, the charlatans. How can we tell who is indeed speaking the word from the Lord and who's and somebody who's just given their own opinion or even twisting things to their own advantage? Well, one way to do that is to do what the people at the original Berea church did. You may remember that Paul and Cyrus ran into trouble. Paul and Silas ran into trouble in Thessalonica and they had to flee during the night. And they went to this place called Berea. There, the people were more receptive to the gospel. And if you read in Acts, the 17th chapter, that the believers sent Paul and Cyrus off to Berea. And when they arrived, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Those Jews were more receptive than those in Thessalonica, for they welcomed the message very eagerly and examined the scriptures every day to see whether these things were so. 
So one thing you can do is study the Bible to see if what you hear from me or any other preacher or anybody else that claims to be interpreting the Word of God to read the Bible yourself. But remember, even when Jesus was tempted, the tempter used those Bible quotations trying to sway Jesus, but Jesus knew the Bible better than the tempter did. So one way to refine this test of prophecy is to see how it compares with what Jesus said. Well, just last week, Pope Francis issued an interesting message about fake news. He suggested that the very first fake news was in Genesis 3, when the tempter, using the snake, you remember, pretending to be Eve's friend, starts with a partial truth, misquotes God, and then twists and distorts what God has said eventually to deceive her. You've heard me say before that uh, Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the snake, and the snake didn't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> well, the Pope concluded, we can recognize the truth of statements from their fruits. Whether they provoke quarrels or foment division and encourage resignation, or, on the other hand, do they promote informed and mature reflection leading to constructive dialogue and fruitful results. In other words, he kind of said, fake news is as fake news does. By their fruits you shall know them. He wrote that fake news leads only to the spread of arrogance and hatred. Well, in the 18th chapter of John's Gospel, Jesus tells us the origins of false prophecy or fake news. Jesus was saying to the disciples, you are from your father the devil and you, and you choose to do your father's desires, the devil's that is. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks according to his own nature for he is a liar and the father of lies. In short, fake news is from Satan. Jesus is saying, truth is from God. In our world, where it can be hard to discern, which ones are the false prophets who feed us lies when we long for truth? Who speak not only by God's call or from God's word, not by that, but by their own ideas, who can twist and torture the very word of God to serve their own purposes. In such a world, let us claim the promise that Jesus made. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Thanks be to God. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Help us to recognize the evil of communication that does not build communion, relationships. Help us to remove the venom from our own judgments of others and help us to speak about others as though they are brothers and sisters because they are. May our words be seeds of goodness for the world. Whereas they're shouting, let us practice listening. 
Where there's confusion, help us inspire harmony. Where there's ambiguity, help us bring clarity. Where there's exclusion, let us build solidarity. Where things get sensational, let us use sober judgment. When things are just superficial on the surface, let us raise real questions. Where there's prejudice, let us awaken trust. Where there's hostility, let us build res respect. And where there is falsehood, let us be bearers of your truth. All this we ask in the name of Jesus Christ who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.